As you're being seated, if you would open your Bibles to the letter from John to the church that's titled Revelation. It's the, uh, the last book in your Bible, if you're not uh, used to finding that in the scriptures. If you turn to Revelation chapter 5, that will be where we are gathered today in the Word. And, um, you know, there's a, a lot of things that we could talk about in the Word of God. There's a lot of things that we could discuss in order to help us to move forward in our relationship with God. Uh, there's one that we do at least for one season every year, usually at the first of the year, and then we'll have others kind of peppered throughout the ongoing year. But in that one part of the beginning of the year, we always come back to prayer. And we come back to prayer because prayer is at the beginning and end of everything we do as a Christian. And to be honest with you, it's probably one of the things that, if I'm confessional, that I struggle with the most in order to do it the way I think it should be done. I think it's an ongoing journey for most of us. I think all of us would say that we could give more time to prayer. I think that most of us would say that we could probably pray a little bit better than we do. We would say that we feel sometimes silly in what we say, and we feel sometimes that what we say doesn't make sense, or that others may uh, hear us and know how immature our faith is. Uh, and we know, though, that our God is a gracious, heavenly Father, and not just a transcendent God, but one who loves us and wants us to speak our hearts to Him. But I find that for many of us, I believe, including myself here, that many times a lot of our time in prayer might be qualified as rather anemic. And anemic because it's missing some core components. And so we're going to talk about a little thing you might have heard before. I'm going to use this as kind of the, where we're going the next four weeks on prayer. But know that it is not a biblical, if you would say it, uh, uh, it wasn't laid out in Scripture as a formula for prayer. But we find that it's a good way to encompass a lot of the different types of things we should pray about and pray for and how we should pray. Uh, it's a word that's an acrostic. And many of you probably heard it before. We're going to break it down one part each week. And that word is ACTS. A-C-T-S. I, I thought it'd be good to start the year this year with something that would give you kind of some places to hang things on as you began to pray. And I do believe that it is a biblical idea to pray these things. It's found throughout Scripture, as we'll see each week. Uh, although it doesn't say anywhere in the Bible to pray in the A-C-T-S, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. Uh, but we know those things are present all over the Scriptures. In fact, when Jesus is asked by his disciples in Matthew chapter 6, uh, how do we pray, which is a pretty unique question, isn't it? They don't ask, how do we cast out demons? They don't ask. They say, why couldn't we do it? They don't ask, how do we uh, hang out and become better at evangelism? He just sends them off to do it. But when they ask him how to pray, he stops and he gives them a pattern. Now, I would go over that pattern, but we covered that not very long ago. You can go back on our website and listen to it. Uh, it's something we've covered before in depth, one piece at a time. But I wanted to do a little bit more of a flyby on how to pray. And I think that we're going to start in the one where we are the most anemic in our own personal prayer lives. And you may say this isn't your problem. You don't have this struggle. But I would think all of us probably struggle at some level in it. And it's in the part that I think we should start in every time we pray, which is adoration. Now, I say that it's a struggle for us because I know it's a struggle for me. I don't just wake up in the morning and begin to pray and just my heart is just full of adoration for God or anyone else. I'm not much of a morning person. Anybody else 
struggle with waking up and getting going? Only a few of you. Wow. So I'm going to say the rest of you are morning people. Raise your hand if you're a morning person. Okay, some of you didn't raise your hands at all, so I'm just going to think you're not sleeping right now. Um, I think adoration is the key. It does so much for our time with the Lord and for the rest of our lives. And yet I think it's probably the least out of the four that we spend our time on. But as we will see, it is the most of what we'll do when we come into the presence of the Lord. We will adore Him and praise Him and make much of Him. And although you may think it's different lately, I do not aspire to be a worship leader in this life. But man, what a job to have in the next. Amen. Uh, I don't have, I can carry a tune in a bucket. Maybe that's about as far as it goes. And I'm thankful for guys like Justin and Robbie and Chris and the other guys who can sing and sound great and lead us in worship. And I know their job will never end. Mine will. Their job will go on into eternity. But I think that most of us struggle in our worship and praise of the Lord just in who He is and what He's done for us and what He has created us to be and do. And I think today we're going to see some things that might encourage us. In fact, I would say, I might argue, this will be a different type of gathering today in some ways. So although you're not ready for it, I want you to get ready. So I'm going to tell you now, we're going to have some participation in our worship gathering this morning. Now, some of you are from backgrounds where you're like, finally, a little participation. We've always got a little bit over here with my friends. Uh, But I'm talking about a little bit more concerted participation in our praise and in our worship outwardly this morning. We're going to do a little bit of that together. And you don't have to participate. Nobody's going to call you out. I'm not going to do that. Nobody's going to think differently of you, but I'm going to encourage you to speak out to the Lord this morning at times in worship and in praise. I think that adoration, listen carefully to this, I believe adoration can reveal the reality of your relationship with God. I'll say it again. I believe adoration can reveal the reality of your relationship with God. Adoration is difficult to fake at the heart level. You can do it outwardly with somebody for a moment, but it's really hard to do it over a season and over time. You can act like you really like someone or that you might even feign some love for them, but over time they can see through that. They can tell by how you speak, how you act, how you don't speak, how you don't act, and they can tell that over time it's put on. You cannot feign or fake it for very long. And it reveals the reality of your relationship, especially with God who knows our hearts intimately, who we cannot hide anything from. And if it is difficult for you to adore the Lord for more than a moment, in word, in heart, in in purpose, in action, in posture, then it might be that there's a struggle deeper in your heart that you might not Love the Lord your God the way the Bible talks about us loving Him. Over time, we should grow in that adoration. And I think sometimes people mistake, I know I did for years, mistake their love for what God can do over their love for who God is and what He's already done for us in Jesus. And that's where we get hung up. When we pray for things and we ask God, we supplicate, we ask Him for things, that he does not give us and we get angry at the Lord or we feel like God's not hearing our prayers. And that's because what we've done is we've taken the one who is meant to be preeminent 
in our praise and adoration, and we replaced him with the thing we desire in that moment, or maybe even longer. Because we don't get this thing, our hearts aren't happy. Or maybe this, maybe you've done something and you can't forgive yourself because maybe your parents would be upset with you or because your friends would be upset with you or because you feel like you've disappointed X, Y, Z or you've failed in your own abilities to do something and you feel like, yeah, God can forgive me, but I can't forgive myself. Or here's the reality. If you believe in the true gospel of the scriptures, then you must believe that you are forgiven and also forgive yourself because if not, you are holding your pride up higher than you're holding up Jesus, or you're holding up your parents' view of you much higher than you are Jesus. You're holding up what you thought you could be over what Jesus already is for you, and it reveals much about our hearts. How we pray and what we pray for reveals if God is who and what we love most. Adoration puts everything in its place, by the way, even our prayers. If you were to record your prayers and listen to them again, I wonder how much of our time in prayer, percentage-wise, would be spent on me. Not you praying for me, but on you praying for you. How much I pray for me. And even then, how much we pray for others, but not actually pray blessing the Lord. No, I don't want to say that again. I apologize. I thought I had that off. I think that we spend a lot of our time praying for things and for ourselves more than what the gospel should lead us to pray for. And so if we would start off with adoration, it would set all things in motion the right way. We'd start off adoring the one who is worthy of all praise and glory. It would change everything for us because only God is truly worthy of the ultimate throne of our hearts. And he's the only one who can live up to that standard and go beyond it. And so I want us to look today at some passages of Scripture that I think will change our hearts if we'll allow it. It'll change how we pray, which will change our intimacy with God, which will change our relationships with everyone else, including the world around us and the things that God has given us. They'll be put in the right place and the right priority. We see that even broken men like David, we've spoken a lot about him in the last few weeks, David who sinned greatly in so many ways, he got this part right. If you listen to this in 1 Chronicles 29, he says, Blessed are you, O Lord, the God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord. This is the king saying this. And you are exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come from you. And you rule over all. In your hand are power and might. And in your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. And now we thank you, our God, and praise your glorious name. See, we often, I think, don't know how to adore him because we haven't taken the time to stare into the face of God in the person of Jesus. We won't have that problem in eternity. In fact, let's start in Revelation 4. If you'd look there, Revelation 4. I just want to give you the picture of what we see. I'm going to read a bit of scripture here, so hang with me. 
I want you to see the picture of where these people are. And we talk about it. We talk about the streets of gold. We talk about the beauty of heaven. But notice what the focus is when we get there as John reveals it to us in chapter 4 of his revelation. After this, I looked, verse 1, and behold, a door standing open in heaven, and the verse voice, which I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet, said, come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. And at once I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne stood in heaven with one seated on the throne, and he who sat there, this is God the Father, had the appearance of jasper and carnelian, and around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. Around the throne were 24 thrones, and seated on the thrones were 24 elders clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder. And before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was, as it were, a sea of glass like crystal. And around the throne, on each side of the throne, are four living creatures, full of eyes in front and behind. The first living creature like a lion, the second living creature like an ox, the third living creature with the face of a man, and the fourth living creature like an eagle in flight. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within, and day and night they never cease to say. What do they never cease to say? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. The same thing Isaiah was saying, right? The angels around Isaiah, when they, he looked up, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Something we will never stop saying. His holiness is totally different than us, is much more other than us, is much more right and good and holy and righteous than us. But they go on. Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, look at this, verse 10. The 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. So these elders that are the ruling elders there around the throne, where they have these great crowns that symbolize who they are and what God has placed upon them and responsibility and power and authority. And when he is worshipped, they fall down and they cast everything that is their identity and they throw it down before the throne saying, this is yours, Lord. You alone are worthy. You alone deserve the glory. Not me, but you. I don't deserve this crown. You deserve the crown. I mean, this is adoration of the Father who's created all things, talking about him as creator. And then we see it shift again in John. This is where we pick up our time today. I'm going to read it all because it's just too good. It reveals so much. We're going to focus just mainly on verses 9 and 10. Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written within and on the back sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And between the throne and the four living creatures, and among the elders I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain, with seven horns 
and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. That's our prayers, brothers and sisters. And they sang a new song, a new one, saying this. Worthy are you to take the scroll and open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God, from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. That means I agree. Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. They fell down and worshipped. And what a glorious picture of what we will spend our time doing when we gather around the throne of the Lamb who was slain. And notice that the Father, God the Almighty Father, who's on the throne, shares His glory with the Son. At first it's saying, He alone is worthy. And then the Son steps forward, the one who's been slain, the Lion of Judah. And when He does, they proclaim Him to be worthy. And for him alone to receive glory for this because he was slain, right? So he shares the glory with the Father. This flies in the face of every cult that steps out of Christianity. That Jesus is not just one who was created because he was not. He is God himself because only God could demand and command and be worthy of this kind of adoration. And he is worthy of this kind of adoration. You see, I believe that for us, Every morning, every time we begin to pray, if we would do it rightly, we would find that adoration should start off our time in prayer, and adoration begins with the preaching of the gospel to yourself, because you may not feel like praying and adoring the Lord, but once you remind yourself of what He's done for you, you have nowhere to go but to praise Him. And praise Him we should. He's worthy. Praise Him we must. It is our glorious purpose to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. In fact, it's exactly what happens here. They quote out the gospel about why He's worthy. Look back at verses 10 and 11 with me in chapter 5 here. Try 9 and 10. They sing a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. They're saying, you're the only one. Worthy are you. You're the one worthy. Nobody else is worthy on all the heavens and all the earth and under the earth. Nobody's worthy. And John is weeping because of this. But then Jesus steps forward, the lamb who was slain. And he says, worthy. Everybody sings out, worthy are you. Worthy are you to take the scroll and opens its seals. Look at this next word, for. That word is a very important word in the Bible. That word, for, F-O-R, means this is the because 
of why the last thing was stated. This is the root grounding statement for what was just said before it. So worthy are you to take the scrolls and to open its seals. Why? Why are you worthy for that? Why is that the case? How is this so? Well, I'm going to tell you, they're saying. For, and here's the reason, because of this, I'm about to say, you were slain. You were slain. See, Jesus, we adore you because you were slain for us. We praise you because you died on the cross for us. Amen, church? We praise you because you were worthy because you were slain. You were born as one of us, fully God becoming fully man. And then you lived your life perfectly that we could not live perfectly. And you went to the cross in our place and you died and you were slain for our sins. And for our sins you died so that you might unite us to yourself. You who are worthy of all worship and all adoration and all praise humbled yourself to become one of us. Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. You who created all things and through whom and by whom were all things created, you became like your creation. He's worthy. He's worthy. You who are worth more than all of that creation, who gave yourself up, are worthy of our adoration. In our place you stood condemned so that we might become your righteousness. It baffles me, but it does not change a thing that you are worthy, Lord. You are worthy. Jesus, church, this is true. You say amen. We adore you. Amen. We adore you. Jesus, you deserve our praise and adoration because you were slain for us. Amen? Amen. Look at this next phrase. This is how, just unpack the gospel one step at a time. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God. So Jesus, we adore you because you ransomed us from our bondage to sin. You ransomed us from the condemnation that we deserve by your blood. See, the Old Testament is very particular about this. It says that there is no forgiveness of sins without the shedding of blood. That's why in the Old Testament they would sacrifice animals. They would sacrifice animals, collect the blood, take it into the Holy of Holies where God resided in their presence. And the one priest who had cleaned himself up all externally, which just symbolizes what needed to happen in the heart to be in the presence of God. And he would step into this Holy of Holies and where the seat would be for God He would sprinkle blood on that to show there had been a sacrifice. The problem is no animal could ever be worth the sacrifice needed to make a human top level of creation to be right with God, to forgive. So it was all meant to be a type of the one who was to come. Much less could that animal ever be one to sacrifice and pay the price for all humans who would repent and believe. But one who is came, and his name is Jesus. Because he came, he deserves our glorious praise. Every moment of every day, that's why it says, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. You deserve it, Lord. You deserve the glory because you came for us. You ransomed us. We were once your enemies, but now you've made us your family and your friends. We once belonged to the enemy, but now you have made us yours. 
Jesus, we adore you. I want you to take a moment right now, and I want you to adore the Lord. I want you to speak outwardly, if you would, praise to the Lord in the assembling of his people. Jesus, we adore you. We praise you. Whatever it is, say it now. Lift up your voice to him. Thank him. Not just thank him, praise him. We praise you, Lord. Give a reason for it. Praise him. Because the more they do it, the more it'll feel okay to do it. Let's do it now. Praise you, Lord. We give you glory. We make much of you. You are beautiful because we are not. And you gave your life because we could not do it and make up to the standard that you set for us. And you ransomed us and we praise you for it. You alone deserve it. We adore you, Father and Son, because you made us into a kingdom. Look at that again in verse 9. Worthy are you to take the scroll and open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom. You have made them a kingdom. Just think about that for a minute. We once belonged to the darkness of depravity in the world in which we live, but now he has liberated us into a kingdom of grace and mercy. We were dead, and now we're alive. And not just for now, but everlasting. Everlasting, we're alive because of what he's done for us. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You can give him glory anytime today. You don't have to wait till I ask for it. Praise you, Jesus. You deserve all adoration and our hearts deserve to be lifted to you. For you alone are worthy. Look where he goes on. You may pass over this and not think about it much, but not only... He says, you have made them a kingdom, you have made them priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. You hear that? (laughs) He didn't just save us and set us aside like a trophy on a shelf. He didn't just take us like treasure and put us in the vault to show what he's done and for people to look at it and think it's awesome that he would do such a thing for those so low. He, He didn't just take us and say, I forgive you, and I'll go on your way. Instead, instead, he saved us into a priesthood where we get to participate in the salvation work he's still doing in this place. Interceding on behalf of people, the ones through whom people meet God, because we are the place where they will meet him, because he resides in us by his Holy Spirit. We once belonged to that darkness of depravity. We were once only sinners. But now we've been made into saints, brothers and sisters. There's a Latin phrase, I love it. If I had a tattoo, it would be on my body in this way. It would say, simul justice a peccator. At the same time, sinner and righteous, or sinner and saint. This is the glory in which we live until Jesus comes back. Yes, we are sinners, We cannot escape it in this place, but we fight it with everything within us, lest sin be killing us, as Owen would say. We hate our sin because we love a Savior who loved us so much that he gave his life for us. We love him because he first loved us. True? Yes? 
Yes, and praise the Lord for that because he has made us now into saints. When the Father looks upon us, he does not now see sinners who need wrath and condemnation. Instead, he sees the righteousness of Christ has been laid upon us. We've been robed in the glorious beauty of Jesus, even in our frail, sinful bodies now. Praise you, Jesus. You deserve the glory. You deserve the praise. You alone deserve all the praise and worship and adoration. And we should cast our crowns at your feet over and over and over again. Because you, Lord, deserve our love and our hearts and our everything. When we see the Lord like this, whatever you do, yes, Lord, we praise you. Whatever you don't give us, yes, Lord, we praise you. Whatever we go through, whatever heartaches, whatever hardships, and however terrible they are, but yes, Lord, we praise you. For this hard, difficult moment is yet but a moment in the grand eternity of being in your presence, in your glorious grace. It will seem like nothing then, although it seems like so much now. We praise you. Because you deserve the praise. Listen. I want you to hear a psalm as we close. All over the scriptures there are places for you to praise and adore the Lord with his own words back to him. Isn't that glorious? You don't have to have your own words. You don't have to say the perfect thing. Read back his perfect word to him. You don't have to know what to do. Just look up things. Type in praise in Google search. Bible verses praise. And it will pull up many verses to praise the Lord. Look up adoration. Look up blessing. We sang about it. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Right? Great are you, Lord. Great are you, Lord. Man, this is what our songs are filled with so much. The Psalms, songs themselves, speak it beautifully and a short one one of my favorites for it psalm 100 psalm 100 if you would write that down go back to it later psalm 100 and here's what it says i want you to worship right now i know this is dangerous in a closed room they tell you never to tell people to close their eyes when you're speaking to them at length close your eyes for a moment because if you look at me you cannot picture the glory of god there's no way so look in your eyes at whatever you might just imagine being around the throne and the carnelian and jasper, the light emanating so bright that you cannot even see his face or his form. And then the lamb who was slain who stands before him. The lamb standing there about to open the scroll and everyone's singing that he is worthy. And he says, worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them a kingdom and priests to our God and they shall reign on the earth. And then others say, worthy is the lamb who is slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. To him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And then take the words of a man before he met God face to face in this way, in Psalm 100, who says this, Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into His presence with singing, knowing that the Lord, He is 
God. It is He who made us, and we are His. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him. Bless His name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever. And His faithfulness to all generations. Lord, You, we know, are good. And You are faithful. And You never, ever, ever leave us or forsake us. You forsook Your only Son on the cross so that You would never have to forsake us. Jesus went to the cross in our place knowing that He would have to endure the wrath that we deserve. That You would not be able to look upon Him as His as your own son in that moment. So Father, we thank you for your love for us that goes beyond measure. And we adore you for it. And we praise you for it. And we make much of you for it. And Lord, this morning, as we are about to sing to you once more, I pray that you would tune our hearts to yours. That we would sing even if it sounds like a clanging gong. That we would worship you in every moment. And Lord, it's so hard to do that unless we have our eyes fixed back on you as the gospel is preached to our hearts, even by our own selves. Lord, we need you now and every moment, as much as the first time we ever met you. Lord, grace us, please. Grace us with your presence, with your directive hand by your spirit, with your grace and mercy. Bring us to conviction of our sins that we might Walk in holiness with you and repent quickly. Embolden us for the sake of your glorious name and the fame of your son Jesus in the places in which we walk and talk to others. Lord, please help us to adore you. We love you. Help us love you more. Help us to love you above all things and all people, even our families. Help us, Lord, to love you the way you deserve to be loved. We cannot do it on our own. And Lord, we believe in you, we hope in you, but help our unbelief. Help our struggles by drawing our eyes back to you and help us to praise you and glorify you and honor you and adore you. Lord, if there's anyone here today who has not been adoring you, who's not known you yet, who might even think they are yours, I pray you would break their hearts this morning for you. That they'd be overwhelmed by your glorious grace and mercy towards us in Jesus. They would repent of their sin, that you would lead them to repentance and give them faith that they might turn in their sin to repent and become not just a sinner, but now a saint. Lord, please, please save souls this morning. We love you. We know we don't love you well enough. Thank you for forgiving us for that. And help us to love you more this morning. And help us to be more like Jesus, your son. Please, Lord, we ask and pray in Jesus' name.